This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. We are confronted with substandard care in nursing homes. We've just gone through hearing the details of Elizabeth Wetloffer's multiple murders of patients in her care. And we were so hopeful about the advent of a big inquiry into the entire long-term care system. Well, now we learn that the problems are so bad in three Ontario nursing homes that they've been ordered to stop accepting new residents. The order affects two facilities operated by the Sharon Village Care Homes Change chain, Tyndall Nursing Home in Mississauga and Earls Court Long-Term Care in London, along with a home from the Caressant Care chain in Fergus. Our listeners will be familiar with the latter because Wetlawfer killed patients under her care in one of that company's home. So we want to hear from you and your experiences, especially if you have a loved one in long-term care, if you're trying to get a a loved one into long-term care. uh, This, unfortunately, has been an ongoing issue for us. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, we are going to Jane Medes, who is a lawyer with the Advocacy Center for the Elderly and PC Critic for Seniors Long-Term Care and Accessibility, MPP, Bill Walker. Hello. Welcome to you both. Hello? Hello? I think we're having a technical problem. It looks like these lines uh, should be working. Okay, well... Uh, Just to uh, get into the uh, situation uh, while we're trying to get the technical uh, issue sorted out. Uh, So this was uh, a situation that came to light yesterday. The province ordered these three long-term care homes to um, stop accepting residents. That is a very serious situation for substandard care. Uh, all we heard from these homes uh, was that uh, they will be cooperating with the province in its efforts to get things back on track. Unfortunately, we have absolutely no idea what exactly the problems that were referred to. Uh, in terms of the problems that we've seen in the past with these care homes, uh, they usually tend to be around staffing. Uh, There aren't enough staffers there. Uh, We all remember the terrible case of Tammy Carbino, which we featured last year. Her father, James Acker, was attacked 
by another resident, and he ended up dying of his injuries. Now, I think we have sorted out our technical problem, and we are going to go to Jane Metis, lawyer with the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly and the PC critic for Seniors Long-Term Care and Accessibility, Bill Walker. Are you both there now? I am. Thank you so much. I'm here as well. Thanks. Uh, Okay, great. Thank you to both of you. So, Jane, uh, what do you make of this? Well, you know, it's, the, the fact that they've done three homes at once, that's a very interesting um, occurrence. We don't usually see that, uh, having that many homes have a cease admission at one time. Um, the reports, you know, the ones that I've looked at are quite, quite lengthy for these things. Um, so I think the ministry is, you know, looking to crack down on homes that are just not providing the right level of care, and we're hoping that that will move forward. Um, they have introduced some legislation which will give some changes um, but again, it's, you know, what are they actually doing? Are they going to actually correct things? It doesn't help just to close places down. We really need to correct the care that's in the homes. Uh-huh. And uh, Bill Walker, what is your take on it? Well, I'm very concerned, and, and I'm from the perspective of two things. One is, is we're overcrowded hospitals, so people that actually need that urgent care can't get in. And, and on the other side, you're, you're closing off admissions for people that need to get out of those hostels and into long-term care. This isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, we've known about the baby boom generation. So truly, the Liberals have been negligent both in the hospital sector and the long-term care sector, and it's simply unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, again, um, do you have any thoughts on what the remedy is going to be? Is it a question of more staff, Jane? Absolutely. I think that's the number one thing is that there's just not enough staff in the home, but also, you know, making the homes comply with the rules and regulations. It's a very heavily regulated system, and there's a reason for that. It's a very vulnerable population. And you can't just simply go in and say, oh, you didn't do that right. You have to make sure that they are doing things right. And if homes are not able to meet standards, we have to correct them. But it doesn't help to, to, to close them. I agree. There's like, we need more homes, not less. Um, and, you know, just ceasing admission isn't really helping anybody. It's certainly not helping the people who have to continue to live there either. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, there seems to be a different standard for a new resident versus someone who is already there. Absolutely, and the problem becomes, too, that they will, they will likely lose some funding because they aren't able to keep their numbers up in the home. So no, not only are they not able to provide the care to the people that are in that home, um, on a regular basis, but now they may have funding issues, um, so it becomes a real, you know, self-perpetuating issue. Uh, so it's something that the ministry really has to look at. Um, you know, is it changing those homes, the, the management of them? Uh, they have to fix it, and, and it's not an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain how the funding ties in? Will their funding be cut back because they've had problems? So the funding uh, will be cut. It's not cut back um, initially, um, but they get um, money per bed, and they have to keep up a certain uh, number in order to get 100% funding. So as if there's cease admissions for a very long period of time, then their numbers are going to go below. And so some of the things which never change, like, you know, you still have to have the same amount of funding for maintenance and things like that, um, no matter how many people are there, that's what's going to, to be critically hit, and, and so it does become just a continued problem, and it, it really makes it hard for homes to get out of that hole as well. But they really need to provide assistance um, and you know, management change if that's necessary. 
Uh-huh. And um, Bill, do you have any sense, I mean, of the numbers of how many people enter nursing homes, you know, per week, per month, and, and what kind of a bottleneck uh, basically shutting three of them down would create? I don't have those exact numbers, but I can tell you that uh, about six months ago, there were roughly about 1,600 people, ALC patients in hospitals, that again should have been in a long-term care at a cost of about $1,370 a day. That has now doubled, which equates to about $4 million spent every day. And again, it's not really doing anything to help the patient in either case. And, you know, my concern is that this is really a challenge when you when you think back to uh, hospital budgets, long-term care facilities, their energy costs have gone up three to 400%. They've had frozen uh, budget items in there. There's not a single cent. I just asked this in the House yesterday. There wasn't one single cent put into the last budget for new homes, yet there's 26,500 people on a waiting list. So this is, again, an indicative reality, sadly, of a government who has overspent. They've wasted money in things like gas plants, orange, e-health, and now people are suffering, particularly our, our vulnerable seniors, as a result of their incompetence. I just want to uh, clarify that ALC is alternative level of care, and that's the designation. So, for instance, if you have somebody who is in the hospital and it's time for them to go home but they have nowhere to go because there is no long-term care bed they stay in the hospital and uh, that's where the bottleneck starts what about this inquiry that is now underway Uh, so much stock was put into this so in that case, I mean, certainly we're, we're supportive of the inquiry happening, but that's going to take about probably two years to be able to get through it and, and go through all of the, the interviews and all these things to find what the solutions are. And again, I've been critical of the government. Back in 2005, they did an inquiry, and they've only actually implemented 30% of the recommendations. So a couple of questions come to mind. If they had have implemented 100%, could we have actually avoided something like the, the sad situation that the wet law for case has created, and particularly for those families? And what's going to happen in the interim of that two years? Will they do another inquiry? What prevents another senior from, from having something like this happen? And our seniors deserve dignified, safe, and quality care immediately, and that's what we should be pushing the government to ensure they have there. Mm-hmm. Jane? Well, I, I agree. I think the inquiry, is, it's, it's a longer term. Uh, one of the problems with inquiries, uh, as they very well pointed out, is that the government doesn't actually have to comply. And so very often they put in the things that are easy and not the things that cost money. Um, it's not to fix it, and it will depend on what the parameters uh, that the judge decides to put on it. Um, it could be very focused on wet lawfare, which really isn't going to help the, the general population a huge amount. We want it to be a broader um, inquiry. And when it comes to ALC, I mean, one of the problems that we're seeing now is that the government, you know, um, isn't putting in any new long-term care beds, and in fact is talking about having people, uh, making people go to retirement homes, which we're already seeing, and these are private care, they're tenancies, they're not appropriate for people who require long-term care, but they're trying to put this on the back of the seniors, and that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the numbers out again. We have uh, basically a few more minutes uh, for this section of the program. Our phones are working better now. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm on the line with Jane Metis from the Advocacy Centre for the Elderly and the PC critic for Seniors Long-Term Care and Accessibility, Bill Walker. And we're talking about the nursing home situation, uh, three 
nursing homes in the province were ordered to stop taking new residents because of substandard care. Uh, We don't really know the exact incidents that led to this, but also we're wondering, um, you know, uh, okay, you're not letting any new residents in, but what about the people who are already there? Why is it okay for them to get substandard care? And it certainly absolutely unequivocally is not acceptable. And it, it's one of those things we've even been challenging them in, in regard to how poorly they've managed the, the PSW, the personal support workers, and proper training and regulation. And as it was said earlier, there needs to be funding. You can't continually to add things like exorbitant hydro and all of the other things that are going on and freeze freeze funding, and then all of a sudden, you know, the year of an election, start throwing a bit of money and sprinkling, saying all is good out there. At the end of the day, they found $25 billion. They're borrowing that to give you a bit of hydro relief, again, ironically, before an election. Where's the money that they haven't put into seniors for the last 14 years, and where are those homes? You, they've known about this waiting list of 26,500 for a number of years, and there's nothing that they've done to address that. Okay, uh, let's try to get a couple calls in. We've got Hilda in Scarborough. Hello, Hilda. Yes. My husband is in a nursing home. Yeah. He has been there now for four years. Yeah. And I have never, st- I have not stopped fighting since he has gotten into that home. Fighting for? Advocating for the residents, making sure he gets the best care he can. And you have absolutely no backing. We had a problem two years ago with the drug company charging us an exorbitant amount of excess money for our drugs. The star finally ran a on it. I called the ministry. You know when I heard from them? Last year. Uh-huh. After we'd already fixed it. The Ministry of Health goes in. I wonder what they see and who they ask, because I've been there for four years. And no, not once have they ever approached me and asked me what's going on. As a person who has a husband in a nursing home, for all those people who have relatives in that nursing home, they have to fight. If they don't fight, they get nowhere. Every time I bring up a fight, recently I had a fight, and I was told that I am preventing, by one of the FCNs in that outfit, that I was preventing her from having staff on the floor, because as long as my husband is on the floor, they don't want to work on that floor. And that's because because you uh, point out problems? That's because I'm constantly making changes. I'm constantly insisting. The bathrooms like, need to be in. The food needs to be... I changed the food in that place. When we got in there, there were cockroaches running all over the wall. The what? person charged that it was okay. So I fought that. I had the food people come in. I had to ask them if they would feed their dogs the food. I collected the food for one week so I could have... a. An example of what they were feeding my husband because he was pureed. The regular food was okay. It was a pureed food that was garbage. And fighting, fighting, fighting for every single thing to get him to be changed regularly. Um, you call the ministry. Do they come? No. One of the residents took a fall. So they say that he took a fall. He ended up getting sick for something else, going into the hospital. His back was broken in two places. Okay. This is a man that could not get out of his bed. So how did his back break in two places? I have some ideas, right? So now the ministry is in there, and now they're trying. This happened about two months ago, three months ago. Now they're investigating that. Like, come on. Hilda, I I thank you for your call, and I certainly understand your frustration, and your husband is very lucky that you're there to advocate for him. I appreciate your call. Thanks very much. Thank you.
Okay, uh, we're out of time. Um, Jane and Bill, if you could just leave us with uh, something very brief. Well, I would say that people do need to advocate for residents in long-term care. They do need to call the ministry, insist that they, you know, if they think it's an urgent matter, they should be insisting that the ministry come out earlier. But I think we also need to be going to the government and asking for investigators because they don't investigate, they inspect. Those are two different things, and they're... It doesn't help resolve the issues. Okay, and Bill? Uh, at the end of the day, seniors deserve dignified, safe, and quality care. And it, the, the Liberals need to show that that's a priority. Actions speak louder than words. I want to see them actually putting some resources so that that care is at the front line with the patient uh, wherever possible. Okay, thank you both. Thank you so much, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if your call couldn't get on, remember Free For All Friday is tomorrow. And when we come back from the break, we will be talking about the fact that there will be no Rob Ford Memorial Stadium. And we'll be talking to Doug Ford when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.